Metal Mike here, and I'm joined by my buddy Brian, and we talk about the 10 best concerts we ever went to. Late 80s, 90s, first concerts, epic stage shows, triple bills and reunions, it's all here. It's a fun discussion, check it out. Well, Brian, welcome to the 80s Glam Metalcast, man, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm doing great, man, I'm really excited. Tonight we're going to talk about... The epic concerts that we went to, I, a lot of them are going to be back in the day, but some could be recent, but I'm excited, man. Yeah, back when we had to wait in line for tickets and our concert t-shirts fell apart after one wash. <laughs> <laughs> and you didn't, you didn't have to pay a shitload of money for a meet and greet. You just had to kind of linger around the by the buses and stuff, right? I, I never did that. I never did a meet and greet. Right. I never, yeah, I went to the concert, partied. Wait till after the encore's done and went home. Yeah. I really did that. Yeah. There's one we can get, we'll get into it when we get into mine. There was one time where we uh, we were lingering around and we, we met somebody, which, which was kind of cool. But I, I'm not going to steal my own thunder, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I got to throw a question out there, man. So I got a question from one of the listeners. His name's Jim. And Jim's in his 50s. And he's got a co-worker that's, that he works with that's also as a metalhead that's in his 20s. And he want, he threw out the question. He wanted me to put it out there to some of the listeners to kind of get their feedback. But he asked, you know, when you're ready to go to a show, and obviously um, Jim, if he's in his 50s, he he a uh, big era of his life was, you know, no internet. So he's saying before you go to a show, do you look up the set list or do you not look up the set list? So I guess the kid that's in his 20s always looks up the set list online to see what he's getting. Jim would rather be surprised. So Brian, I'll ask you, man, what do you think with something like that? Do you look up the set list before you go to a show? I'd rather be surprised. Yeah. Because I, I, I mean, obviously with any band, they're going to play the hits. Mm-hmm. That's a given. But the deeper stuff, I kind of like want to be, I want to be surprised on that. Yeah. A couple of my things, I'll say some of the deep tracks that came up and you're just like, no way they're playing that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I kind of look at it both ways. We went to go see Paul McCartney over the summer and my kids are big Beatles fans, and I'm just like a casual Beatles fan. And I did not look up the set list because I, I wanted to be surprised. But I've noticed other times, man, like bands that I'm real freaky about, I do. I kind of get like a kid, uh, you know, trying to sneak and peek at his Christmas presents or something. You know what I mean? Like with Kiss and stuff, I've done that. Uh, I think because I'm such a fanatical fan. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I go on, yeah, I go online and I see what what they played. So I kind of see both sides of it. I don't think it's really generational. Where I think that's what Jim was getting to. Like he's an older dude, so he likes it this way, and the younger guy does it another way. I think it can go either ways, and I think it, it, it some of it could stem from. Uh, how fanatical you are about a band you know what i mean so like with kiss yeah. i've seen them a bunch of times i might want to know are they going to play some deep cuts if they're not maybe i don't want to see that sh- you know what i mean so I, I feel like that's the kind yeah. of thing that uh if you've seen a band a lot you might you might look before you uh before you buy especially with these prices yeah but also yeah, back in the day before the internet you might have a band play a couple of nights in the same town you might have a friend that went friday and you're going saturday and you'll ask them hey what they play yeah. Oh, they played this track, and they played this one. And okay, so you kind of would know at times before the internet was around. That's true, man. The topic tonight is going to be the top ten shows, uh, concerts that we ever went to. And, you know, man, when I go back and I think about this, and I, I don't think I realized it at the time, but, man, uh, grew up in a glorious time for music and for concerts. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? What do you think? I totally agree with that. I mean, uh, at my, you know, our age now, you know, I'm like, oh, you have a midlife crisis? I'm like, no, because I just want to go back when music was good. Yeah. 
Yeah. Back then, it always just seemed like there was a new band coming out, a new album from a band you liked, new videos. Something was always going on constantly. And I missed that. I just yeah. missed that. And yeah. then, of course, you go see them live, and you're like, oh, all right. This is what I like about this music kind of thing, you know? Yeah. And, you know, it was funny because I think what happened, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, I think, like... You know, we were younger kids in the 80s going to all these shows. Then the 90s rolled around and everything changed. And, and kind of the, the word on the street was everything that you went to and you believed in the last decade was crap. You know what I mean? Not that we believed oh, it, but that, yeah. was, that was kind of what was being said. So then you kind of thought to yourself, well, I, you know, I don't know. You, know you, you didn't make much of that era that you, that you lived through. But I think now looking back at it, you know, 30, 40 years ago, it's like, wow, man, that was, there's young kids that are getting into this stuff. They would have killed to see Motley Crue in the 80s or see, you know, Poison in the 80s. You know what I mean? So, so it's like we, we caught some epic tours, bands in their prime. Like I said, we, it was good, but we didn't know how it was going to be looked at today. And it is looked at as an iconic era, no doubt. And again, it went through a period where, yeah, hair metal was the was the derogatory term. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it was like, you like that garbage? It was like, yeah, yeah, I still do. And then you're right. As time went on, these bands, I mean, mind-blowingly, classic rock stations are playing these bands. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, now I'm listening to, you know, a Led Zeppelin going into Van Halen, then goes into Poison, and then Nirvana. So it's like all blended together yeah. now kind of thing. Yep. But yeah, I, I know like the mid to late '90s, it was like you were cool if you liked this stuff. And <laughs> no. I stuck with it. No. I stuck with it. It's cool. <laughs> and you know, another thing too, I, you know, and, and I'm not knocking the the stage shows that that come out today. They're cool. You know, Motley Crue, and, and you know, they did the big tour with Death Leopard. But if you kind of look at what's out there. It all kind of looks the same, you know what I mean? It's all screens and, and all that kind of stuff where, you know, a lot of the shows we're going to talk about, that's, that technology was not really happening for the most part. So bands either had cool, you know, tapestries or they had cool props that kind of identified with the album art and stuff. It was a cool era, man. Cool, cool times. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, well, one of my one of my concerts did have a lot of screens, though, so that kind of goes. <laughs> there were some. Yeah, no, I I went to a few, you know they were start. It was starting to creep up in the '90s. So, well, man, I think it's time. Let's just jump in. Let's hear what your number ten is. All right. Well, before I start, I, I told you I had a criteria on how to pick what what shows I'm going to put mm-hmm. on here, and it had to have probably like two out of these three, but it had to be a good show. You know, the stage show, the, the how the band sounded, all that stuff. Had a, a cool story to it. Somebody's got some stories attached to it, and some kind of per- the third one, some kind of personal connection to me with this show, and that leads to my number ten, which is my first concert I ever saw. <laughs> on their Hot in the Shade tour at Nassau Coliseum and I think it was the uh, beginning of July 1990 yep. with uh, special guest Slaughter and Little Caesar mm-hmm. and at the time I, I mean I'm, I'm not a, I'm not the hugest Kiss fan like you but I knew even less at the time because when they had the makeup on I was a, like a kid and really wasn't into them and just going to a concert to see I went mostly for Slaughter because I loved that first record yep and Little Caesar, I was impressed with them, but really didn't know a lot about them. They had the Aretha Franklin, Chain of Fools cover, but other than that, 
But going there, they had, you know, the big sphinx with the sunglasses and the pyrotechnics and all this stuff. And you're just like, this is amazing because it's the first show I've ever been to. But then you also realize people come for the music, but they're there to party. Mm-hmm. And you have the weed smell in the, in the, in the air. <laughs> you had the, the drunken, passionate fans. Yep. And then at one point, Kiss is playing this, you know, one of their famous, more famous tunes. I don't remember off the top of my head. And my friend taps me on the shoulder and does the old point behind us, like, look at this. And I turn around, and in the nosebleed seats, kind of almost behind the stage, because they didn't sell those tickets, uh, let's say a couple were in the middle of uh, intimate relations during the show. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. And you're just like, you're like, oh, that's what this is all about. All right, we're here to party. I get it now. And ever since then, that's what you know, every show has been compared to that, pretty much. Awesome, man. You yeah. know, that is yeah. a, that's an awesome... So that was your first. Hot in the Shade was your first concert. That was my first concert ever, yeah. Because at that time, I was old enough to drive. Me and my friends all had licenses, and we can go wherever at that point. You have absolute freedom to go to these shows then. Yeah, man. Um, obviously, I, I saw this tour as well. I saw this tour in July. Uh, it ranks a lot higher for me than 10. So I'm just going to stay quiet on it for right now. <laughs> okay. We'll revisit it. We'll revisit. So number 10 for me, man. is uh, the one and only time that I saw Sabotage. Uh, I saw him in 1993. This is uh, this is when I was telling you when we were communicating uh, through Twitter. This is the only show. I, I kind of went back and I wanted to see if I was right with some of my dates, time of the year, all that kind of stuff. This is the only show I can't find anything about. Like this show does not exist. But I know for a fact that I went. <laughs> and it was real. You know, I wasn't partying that hard. You know what I mean? But uh, no, th- this yeah. show definitely happened. Maybe it was just an un- a kind of a spur of the moment gig they threw together. So it, there's not a lot of info about it but it definitely happened in the summer of 93 they were with um galactic cowboys and corrosion of conformity and they were touring oh, okay yeah they were touring behind the edge of thorns album and what i just remember the most man is this they sounded killer you know what i mean i love that album i've been a sabotage fan for a lot of years and um they sounded awesome man and they played a lot of uh, kick-ass songs from the edge of thorns album along with some you know other tunes uh, from their catalog the, the thing yeah. that stands out the most, you know, went with a bunch of buddies, and I just remember the drive home just talking about, man, what a great show. It was between Zach Stevens and, and Chris Oliva. And from my calculations, you know, based on, like I said, this was probably late summer. You know, a couple months later, he was gone, man. Chris Oliva died a few months after that show. Wow. So I'm very thankful that I yeah. got to see him. You know, incredible guitar player. Yeah, that's why that one really stands out to me because, like I said, always was big into Sabotage. And like I said, that was probably one of his last concerts that he did before he passed away. So that's my number 10. Yeah, wow. How big of a place was that? Not big. It was like a, it was just like a theater. It was the, Yeah, that's why you can't find the date. Um, yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, I have some shows I don't remember what year it was. So I, don't, <laughs> <laughs> I know it was there. So. All right, man. Number nine. All right, my number nine is the only one that took place in a small club.
and that was uh, in 95 uh, Dream Theater. They were oh. unbelievable. Just the musicianship, I was blown away. And you know, I'm a bassist. And I remember, see, I, at that time, I only picked up the bass for like four years prior. And I'm watching John Lennon play going, I will never be this good. Mm. And that was something I strived for. And, you know, 30, almost 30 years later, I, I'm still not that good. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> but, yeah, just that the way they played was mind-blowing, just sitting there and watching them just put this music together. And you're like, how? How is It's almost magic at that point. And it just I, and I, I went originally because a girl I liked went to the show, so I'm mm -hmm. like, oh, I'll go up with her and send her there. And I don't think I spent a second with her. Watch just watch the band the whole time. Yeah, it's I mean, amazing. I've just never been musicianship again. Yeah. Unbelievable. I've never been huge into Dream Theater, but anytime I've I've watched them play, it's just super impressive because you've got like virtuosos at like every spot in that band. So yeah, that had to been a nice one to watch. Yeah, because I got them um, in college, and this so I just I just got out of college, and this is when the Awake album came out. So they were, I guess, you know, peak popularity as popular mm -hmm. as they got, and I was really into them. Actually, a friend of mine from college got um, lessons from the guitarist. And I can't remember his name off the top of my head now. John something. Oh, like John Petrucci. Petrucci. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so I, yeah, I got into them over college, and I, when I graduated, saw this show, and I was like, God, this is mind blowing how good these guys are. Probably, probably one of, if not the best band mus musically I've ever seen live. That's awesome, man. That's and a good actually, one. On a side note, almost a little bit a year later, that girl I went to meet up with, she was my girlfriend, went to see him a second time in another club. <laughs> <laughs> so it really stands out for you. Yeah, yeah. Again, that's been a small club one, but again, the musicianship, phenomenal. All right, here, my number nine. number nine is a. This is an oddball one because not many of this type of show happened. I, I want to say they only did maybe three or four of these uh, before the album came out. It's Motley Crue, Generation Swine, Listening Party. Saw in the, I can't think, is it the Star, I don't know, in New York City, man, in one of those ballrooms. I can't remember the name of it, but yeah, 1997, it was the day before um, Generation Swine came out. They played the whole Generation Swine album, which was weird because I didn't know any of those songs yet. So it's kind of odd hearing them play that in full. And then I think at the end of the show, they played a couple of their classic songs. And I kind of went back on YouTube to try to refresh my memory of, of how this all played out. But this, it just had a cool vibe, man. It was just a weird kind of thing. You know, we, you know, we, I live in upstate New York and my girlfriend, which is my wife now at the time, we, we went, we got tickets kind of, you know, out of the blue. We drove down there, saw the show, drove back. So it's just, it was just a cool time for me, man. A lot of people don't like Generation Swine, but I do. Yeah. And uh, I, for me, I've always been a big Vince Neil fan. Nothing. I like Karabi too. I, I, and as we'll talk, that that maybe something about Karabi will come up on this list. But uh, yeah, man, I was a <laughs> yes. I was a fan of Vince. I thought it was cool. It was a cool era. Kind of Motley's getting a little bit more of a attention, even though this album wasn't big. You did see Motley kind of out in the media and on talk shows and all that kind of stuff again. So kind of cool time to be a fan. Obviously, they had no chance in the late 90s, as we talked about before we started, that this was a rough time. But just an interesting, yeah. oddball show. 
and uh, just maybe help me like Generation Swine more. You know what I mean after seeing that show. But the one thing that stands yeah. out the most, this is the thing that that I'll never forget, and and we talk about this, my wife and I, to this day, is um, people toward the end of this them playing the full album kind of started getting kind of antsy you know what i mean and new york city man they were kind of uh crazy fans right so uh, tommy lee's playing brandon right the last song on the cd where it's a piano and just him singing and he's you know he's trying to be all emotional and you know i'm sure it's a nice gesture he's writing a song about his kid but here you are man you're in new york city and the fans have just had enough and they were booing they were booing him during that song and um, wow. yeah, it was weird. It was very awkward. And then they kind of went off stage and took a quick break. And then they came back on and did an encore. And I want to say they did Primal Scream, Kickstart My Heart, and Doctor Feelgood. And then the place blew up and everybody yeah, went crazy. But uh, yeah, man, just an oddball thing. You know, just it was a cool time. Kind of a weird. I wouldn't say it was a one-off because they did it like a couple other times in some big cities. But I'm glad I saw that show. It was interesting. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. You, you got everyone went in knowing that's what they were going to do, play the whole album, the new album. Yeah, it was a yeah, it was like a generation swine listening party or album release party I, type of thing. So yeah, you should have known that that's kind of what was going on. But yes, some yeah, I tell you, exactly. got, as it got going, a lot of people weren't feeling the love anymore for the new songs, and they wanted to hear the old stuff. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Play, play. Looks the killer, right? Right. That's funny. All right, man. What do you got for eight? All right, my number eight. I'm a big Van Halen fan, my personal favorite band of all time. I finally got to see him in 2012, Mohegan Sun. So it was just like, yeah, everyone said, you know, Dave's voice wasn't as good. He never was, to be honest. But, no. Um, it, 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 was, it was still, it's, it's Eddie Van Halen. I, I literally went to my wife, and I turned to her and said, do you understand you're looking at a rock legend right now? Mm-hmm. And it was just, I, again, David Lee Roth, the voice, all right, because people criticized him for that, you know, 11 years ago. And without Michael Anthony there, you lost that Van Halen sound in the backing vocals. Yep. But, I mean, Wolfgang can play. There's no, there was no complaints there. And probably one of the highlights for me of that show was when all of a sudden they go into uh, somebody get me a doctor. And... I, you hear the opening riff to that, and I just, I said out loud, I go, no way. And the guy sitting next to me must have been a diehard fan too. You know, then we had that passion for a band, those, those deep tracks yeah. that everyone's on board with. He turned to me and just went, yeah. <laughs> this is great. Oh my God. So yeah, they were supposed to have like Earth, Wind, and Fire open up for them. And the lights go down. And all of a sudden, you start hearing that opening riff to Unchained, and you're just like, all right, it's on. We're not going to bother. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't have mind seeing them, but, yeah. I mean, it was Van Halen going right into it. I was completely fine with that. And it was like, yeah, all-time favorite band. Finally got to see them, and it was like, I mean, rest in peace to Eddie. I mean, it's just a shame that he's not around anymore. But that was like my bucket list concert to go see them. Because yep. when I was a kid, when I first started getting to Van Halen, too young to really go to shows, and then David Lee Roth left, and it was like, uh, 
at that moment, you're like, I'm never see the, the, you know, that original lineup again. And that's probably the closest I got to, but still, glad I can see my favorite band. That's awesome. Yeah, that's my favorite. Yeah. yeah, I kind of, you know, I've never been the, like a super, super huge Van Halen fan, but I, I do enjoy Van Halen, and I always love Roth. I, I thought Eat Him and Smile was great, and, and uh, well, maybe that's about it for his solo stuff, but, but uh, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, man, I, that's a big regret. I, I really wish I would have saw Van Halen around that time that you did, you know, because uh, that was it, really, you know what I mean? They, that, they didn't tour much after that, so, yeah, that, that's that's a regret, man. So, glad that being such a big fan that you got to go see him. Yeah, it was, that was, yeah, again, my bucket list concert, and yeah, when he when when my wife even told me, oh, Eddie Van Halen died. Like I was like, what? Because this guy is you know just a staple in my life musically mm-hmm. yep. since I was like you know twelve or whatever. And it was just, uh, I remember I for two months straight. That's all I played in the car. Van Halen to the point. I think my son was four at the time. Mm-hmm. Dad, put something else on. Stick it here. You don't understand, kid. You're not getting it. <laughs> All right, so number eight. I'm I'm going back to which was weird, as I thought this show was '91, but it was actually '90. I, I, like I said, I did I did my research just for my own, uh, you know, just for my own peace of mind to try to figure out when these shows actually happened. <laughs> And uh, yeah. my number eight is Poison and Warrant. So I thought that was a epic hair metal bill. I, maybe I didn't realize it at the time, you know, what I was seeing. But, uh, you know, in retrospect, especially now that Janie Lane is no longer with us, you know what I mean? I, I definitely yeah. saw, I saw, you know, I saw hair metal history, man. And uh, I, from, yeah. from what I've read, you know, there were some dis- disputes between, like, about stage room or something like that. And, and Warrant didn't last too long on that tour but uh it, it was great I, I mean nothing super crazy sticks out you know i was with my buddies i remember like us tr- playing games trying to like sneak up and get closer you know what i mean the, you know trying to dodge like security guys i think that we can probably all yeah. relate to that with a lot of those uh you know old school shows that you went to but it was a great show man saw that in albany new york and uh, you know, Poison had the laser girls and all that stuff. I mean, Unskinny Bop was the the big thing right at that yeah, moment. I'm, and uh, I'm not gonna spoil it, but yeah, I'll be talking about that. One <laughs> God, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I just remember it. I just remember being a great show, and I remember buying a bootleg shirt that was white that had both bands on it. I think maybe Poison was on the front and Warrant was on the back. So you got. I definitely miss those bootleg shirts. I don't know if they're like a thing oh. like they used to be, but I, like you talked about those shirts that fell apart or whatever, but those were always yeah, the, those yeah, were always the best. that one time to go to school with it on and show everyone, yep. yeah, I went to the show last night. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, I can't remember like a whole hell of a lot about it. I just remember it was a good time. It was a great show, and I'm glad that I can th- say that I saw that show. So that's my number eight. Nice, nice. What do you got next? All right, can continue with the Van Halen theme. Uh, my number seven, I saw Sammy Hagar for his 40, 40 year anniversary being in music at Mohegan Sun in, I think it was maybe nine years ago. Okay. Something like that. I, yeah, I don't remember. But he played like, you know, Montrose, his hits from Montrose, his solo stuff, Van Halen, Chicken Foot, and the band was killer because it was obviously him, Michael Anthony on bass, Jason Bonham on drums, 
and uh, Vic, John Vic Johnson on guitar, mm. who was a smoke show. Oh my god, he was so good. Mm-hmm. And my only complaint was they he played a lot of Zeppelin songs. Because huh. he's like, I'm going to play songs from my career and songs that influenced me to get into rock. And he played like five Zeppelin songs. Wow. Like, I don't know. And of course, Jason Bond had to play Moby Dick. So I was like, all right, you got it. <laughs> you no, know, right, right. Like, yep, yep. But it was, yeah, a really cool show to see that, uh, the, all that, the, that different, those different bands play in one show like that. It was really cool. Nice. Plus, I'm a, Mike Lansing influenced my playing when I picked, first picked up the bass, so it was cool to see him live, too. Nice. Nice, man. That's cool. That sounds yeah. like it's a good one. Um, I've said on here before, I've never been a big Sammy fan. Mm-hmm. But, hey, man, that's cool. No, all, It's all good. I, he's a talented performer, he's, and he's still got his voice, so I'm sure he was still sounding killer then. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Like it's like this guy's pushing seventy, and he's still sounding like this. Like what the hell? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he sounds great. Well, I got a lot of repeat bands on mine too, man. So. Well, we're we're back to Motley Crue uh, for my number seven. And this one was July. 1994, Weedsport, New York, Motley Crue, Typo Negative, King's X. That's a good bill, Ooh. man. I don't care for 19. You know, for the 90s, that was a that was a cool bill. And um, that's a great lineup. Yeah, I have to say, the first obviously the openers were incredible. Uh, I I like both those bands too, and I, and I was real into them at the time, so it was it was working. I think um, I think King's X had Dogman out. That was pretty big for them at that point, and obviously okay. yeah. King's they X never caught on. Yeah, and then um, Typo had Bloody Kisses. They were just starting to pop with that one, and mm-hmm. uh, then of course I got to see. Hey man, in, in some respects I saw history. Right, I saw the one tour that they did with somebody other than Vince, John Karabi. And it sounded yeah. great, man. He did a great. If you go, actually, the funny thing about this show, Weedsport, New York, it's on YouTube. So if you if you ever want to check out that show, just put check it out on cool. YouTube. That show's out there. And Karabi sounds great, man. He brings a different edge to the uh, to these songs. And a couple cool things that stand out to me is one thing that was kind of cool that bands that play this kind of style were, were trying some different things to kind of break up the show. And with the onset of Kiss, or not Kiss Unplugged, MTV Unplugged, that's what I'm trying to say, is that uh, Kiss Kiss Unplugged hadn't happened yet. Uh, MTV Unplugged, crew basically kind of scaled the thing down and and kind of just went to the front of the stage with acoustics and stuff and did did some stuff off the new album and they did Home Sweet Home and all that. And it was real, that was super cool. A couple things I remember though. One thing was these people made a giant ass sign. That said, Vince who on it, right? And it was, once again, this is just must be my memory, but the thing was so big that they couldn't even hold it up with these sticks. So they asked for like, me and one of my buddies to help them, right? So I remember holding this thing and, and, and you know trying to get the band's attention, get Nikki's attention, and then then there was this other group of people that were like pissed at us. They were probably drunk or something. They were like oh, yelling at us, and they were like, "We love Vince, you know? How could you do that?" And we're like, "Yeah, we like Vince, but we're trying trying to get the band's attention, you know." And uh, so that stands out. Hey, you just have to hold the sign. Don't take it first. Right, right. I didn't make the freaking. I didn't make the freaking thing. Um, but then the other thing that stands out is there's another show that I went to probably three years earlier, and, th- and that will be talked about as we progress. And I just remember that show being a mob scene, and I remember this show being a ghost town. 
So when Motley Crue says, yeah. like, we were doing shows and, and nobody was there, like, yeah, that's legit. You know, the same thing Kiss says that about, like, the Creatures of the Night tour. We were doing shows and place was half full. I never saw the Creatures tour, but I'm going to take Kiss's word for it because that that was what happened with Motley Crue. Just the, the bottom fell out, you know, with grunge and the singer change yeah, and all yeah. everything, and it was a different animal. And those new bands that they brought with them, we're helping, you know, pack the place. So, but once again, yeah. cool piece of history. It was a great show. So glad I went to it. Yeah, I never saw a crew. No, well, never got the chance. Well, you to could have them. a chance coming up. <laughs> well, my friend had tickets, and he decided to ask another friend to go with him. I'm like, oh, you bastard! Yeah. <laughs> well, Brian, they're still yeah. going, man. They're good. I think they're going to hit the states uh, again in this uh, summer. So you, you could you could go see them again. You, you might have a chance. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I'll check them out. Yeah, yeah, just definitely another band I was big into when I was like a kid, and just yeah. never got to see them. Yeah. All right, man. What do you got for uh, six? Number six. Speaking of repeat bands, is the only band that repeats on my list. But it was Kiss's well, first farewell tour in 2000. So I'm at oh. Jones Beach Coliseum. Mm-hmm. It's a great place to see the show, by the way. And it, I got to see you know in the makeup and the whole stage thing. So again, I was a kid in the, you know the, the the 70s where I was too young to go see Kiss. Yeah. Now that that show I was able to see them what they were all about back when people started getting into them. Yeah. And yeah, it was a cool show. Went to a couple of buddies that were big Kiss fans. Only downside, the, the solos. The ace is doing a solo, and it's like, what are we doing, guys? You're not doing drugs in the back anymore. You got, you don't need to do this. Play two more songs instead. <laughs> <laughs> like they're dragged out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because it got to a... In any show, whenever they have a guy doing a solo, unless the guy's really good and knows how to tone it down to an acceptable length, it's like that's when you go to the bathroom and get another beer. Yep. So, but... But yeah, it was really cool to see them in full makeup, you know, for the first time, for me at least, mm-hmm. and see the whole actual kiss thing done the way it was originally. Yeah. Now, let me ask you, I, I saw that show at Hershey, uh, Pennsylvania, that tour, rather. Um, the weird thing was, it was uh, Ted Nugent opened, and it was supposed to be Skid Row, but they weren't there for some reason. Was Skid Row at yours? No, I never saw Skid Row. I'm trying to remember who... Was that the show? No, it was a different. I saw Ted Nugent at a different show. He opened for, um, I think it was Leonard Skinner. And I can't remember Zach Wilde's band at the time. He was supposed to open, but same place. It's an outdoor arena, so it rains. He got canceled. There was only Nugent and Leonard Skinner. But I don't remember who opened up for Kiss if there was an opener. Hmm. Okay, interesting. Yeah, because I was kind of bummed. I, I knew when I – it was supposed to be Skid Row on the, the time that I was supposed to see him or that time that I did see him, but uh, it wasn't going to be with Sebastian Bach. It was – I want to say it was with the the Johnny Solinger guy or whatever. But, uh, yeah, no, I, they were not there, so that was that – was, I was kind of bummed about that. Never been huge into Nugent, but he was decent. But, I mean, I was there for Kiss, so. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Because I believed it was their last tour, like a fool. <laughs> Yeah, of course. So that's the old one. Like, oh, this is the last time we get to see Kiss. Okay. <laughs> 20, 23 years later. <laughs> Still doing it. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, this is... I feel stupid to put this again, but I've got one. This, this is it. I swear. This is my last Motley Crew one. But this one has to be mentioned. Okay. Number six.
Motley Crue in Whitesnake, 1987. First concert Ooh. I ever went to. Had to mention it, man. It has to be mentioned. Wow, that's a good lineup right there. Yeah, yeah. So Whitesnake, I mean, we got the full. They sounded great. They had the full band, Rudy Sarzo, Tommy Aldridge, uh, Vandenberg mm-hmm. and Campbell with, with David Coverdell. They, they, right, that was when they were just peaking, you know what I mean? They were real hot with uh, Here I Go Again and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and Motley Crue, I mean, come on, man. First concert, Motley Crue with the spinning drum set and the explosions. Yeah. <laughs> A uh, couple notable things that I can remember. Uh, I can't remember a whole hell of a lot about. I was only 11 years old, but um, I just remember my mom was really freaked out, and she kept saying that I needed to be careful. Even though I went with my dad, she was like, "You got to be careful because uh, you know they throw beer bottles at these concerts, and you could get hurt." And so I remember the whole time thinking, like, oh, "There's gonna be beer bottles whizzing past my head," but I don't even think they sell beer bottles at concerts. It's always cups, right? You no. know, play- <laughs> Yeah, for that reason. So I I don't know if she went. I'm thinking my mom never went to a lot of concerts. I was only 11 years old, but I definitely remember thinking Vince Neil's voice sounded kind of weird. So even as a young kid, man, I kind of knew, like, this dude isn't that great live. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I just remember thinking, like, he kind of sounded like a chipmunk. or His voice sounded really weird, high and weird compared to the way it sounded on Girls, Girls, Girls and some of the other records. So even as a young kid, I was thinking, like, this doesn't sound bad, but it doesn't sound right. You know what I mean? Something was not right yeah. with his voice. So, and you know, he's just not a great life singer. don't know what cocaine is yet, so. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he, that, those are the two things that really stand out. But it's just, I think all I can really see in my mind is just like those the spinning drum set, the red stage, the pyrotechnics. It was, so it was kind of like sensory overload. And the crew was my favorite band at that point. So I got to mention yeah. that. Yeah, because when I was a kid in high school, White Snake, I was a huge White Snake mm-hmm. fan. And like you said, the 87 album, that was their big catalyst that made them big. But what I would always do, if I got into a band, I'd buy all their older albums. And yeah. I really got into like the old blues influence rock they used to do in the in the 70s and early 80s. Yeah, I, was, I would love to go to that show in 87. Nice, man. All right, well, what do you, we're, getting, we're getting down there about halfway through. What are you doing for, yeah. uh, what are you doing for five My number five was uh, when I saw Metallica at Nashville Coliseum in 91. Nice. And that's when they, they just released the Black When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply album and it hadn't been didn't become this big huge thing just yet but it was on its way there and it was just them mm. so it was metallica for like three hours and they had a um instead of an opening act they had like a documentary show on the on the screens when they came on and i <clears throat> at the time i wasn't the biggest metallica fan even i was starting to get into them and they when they mentioned cliff burton the place erupted for this guy and mm. i was like what's up with this guy? Like, I, I knew about him dying and blah, blah, blah. 
But then, you know, once I started getting into the, the band more and started actually playing bass, I'm like, oh, this guy was phenomenal. Now I see why. Yep. But, yeah, it was just three hours Metallica straight, and it was unbelievable. Such a high-energy show. And, it, and like I said at the time, they weren't the huge band that they are now, so a lot of the people there were hardcore fans. Yep. And it was like, you know, practically every, except for maybe Inner Sandman and possibly one, the rest of the concert was deep tracks yep. for the most part yeah it's awesome. it was, yeah it's such a killer show i'm bumming man i've never seen metallica and i really at this point have no excuse because you know they they come around a lot you know especially like on their on their newer tours they've been around and i guess if, if i could pick i would have liked to seen them you know back in the day <laughs> versus now yeah. but uh i think that's one of those bands cool? where yeah i gotta break down and just go see them before it's too late yeah because i saw them a year what about a year later when they on tour of Guns N' Roses. Oh, yeah. Again, great Guns N' Roses by, without a doubt, the worst show I've seen in my life. Mm. They were terrible. It was so, it's like, you know, you went there, like, oh, these are the hugest bands in metal at the, in 92. Yep. And I, they finished them all, opened up for them. We didn't go see them because we're too busy drinking in the parking lot. Yep. And then Metallica came on, killed it. And then it was a good two hours before Guns N' Roses came out. Oh, and that sucks. If you want to kill a mood, let people sober up for two hours and then Oof. come out. And after every song, Axel was going backstage to change his outfit and Slash had to play something to keep people entertained. It was horrible. It was probably the worst show I saw in my life. Wow. That sucks. But Metallica was still good. Nice. <laughs> Metallica killed again a second time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Number five. Now, I'm mentioning two shows on this one because I saw this tour twice. I saw it in July. And once again, I had to do the research because I had no idea when I saw it. I saw it in July of 91, and I saw it in November of 91. And it was the Queensryche Empire Tour when they played the whole Operation Mindcrime album what a freaking great show. Now, here's the the reason why I went a second time. It was not only because I, I loved Queen's Rick and it was a great show, but Warrior Soul opened up the second time. And I always loved, yeah, I always loved Warrior Soul, so I really wanted to see those guys. Now, I couldn't remember who opened up for the first one. And I was researching I, it, and I, I think I it's Suicide. Yeah, go ahead. I, I can tell you because it's later on my list. I don't want to cut you off, oh. but that's coming up later on my list. Okay, well, you can say it. Say who it is. Oh, Suicidal Tendencies. Right, Suicidal Tendencies. But I'm going to be honest yeah. with you. I have no recollection of ever seeing that. I, I don't know why. I don't. I mean, either they didn't appear at the show I saw or I, it's like, you know, like you just have blackout spots in your brain. Maybe that's just gone. So I don't remember Suicidal <laughs> Tendencies playing ever. But, uh, but anyways, um, sounds like you're going to talk about this too. I mean, the only thing I'll say about it is – you know, this was one of those ones we talked about where uh, uh, the nine, early 90s where a band was using the screens. You know, they used a lot of that footage from that mm-hmm. they recorded for that home video for Operation Mindcrime. And it just was amazing. I don't know. I mean, there's not much I can say about it. They just sounded killer. They sound like the record. They played the whole thing flawless. And then it was like they started the show with just some random tunes, played the whole album, and then finished with some random tunes. I think at that point, at least one of those shows, they were riding high with Silent Lucidity. And I remember the place just blowing up when they played that. Yeah. But uh, uh, I'm glad that I got to catch that tour because that was probably the best. 
you know, try not to say anything because I'll definitely bring it up later in my life. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I got you, man. It must be great. It must be raking high too. No spoiler alert. Spoiler <laughs> <laughs> alert. All right. What's your What's your four? All right, my four. This one had a had a story. Has a story behind it, but. Uh, Ozzy Osbourne at uh, again at Jones Beach. I want to say mid to late nineties, maybe ninety six. I don't remember the year. Mm, that I could just be. Don't remember the year. Yep. But uh, me and my friend were hanging out at the bar, just to have a couple of beers, and he says to me, "Oh, Ozzy's playing at Jones Beach tonight." And I go to him, like, "Yeah, it's sold out." Well, whatever. And he's like, "We should go." I'm like, "Why? It's a waste of time. It's sold out." So a couple more drinks later, he can finally convince him, "Let's go scalp tickets and just go. Screw it." And if worst comes to worst, we'll just go to the beach and hang out there the night. What's, what's you know, all right. So we go get a 12-pack, go to stop at his house, get some ice and cooler, go drive out there, get to the parking lot, and there's like a like a 16-year-old kid, you know, working a summer job going, oh, can I see your tickets for you guys driving in the parking lot? And my friend's like, just go. So I just gun it and drive it in the parking lot. Get tickets. Uh, they're decent seats, actually, because the way Jones Beach is set up, you got the floor seats. And then it starts going in the stadium, so it starts rising up. So we had, like, the second row in those stadium seats. So they're good seats. And then my friend's talking to one of the security guys, and he's like, give me, like, 20 bucks. Like, All right. 20 bucks, he moves us up to the fourth row. Wow. And within, like, you know, less than two hours, we went from drinking at a bar to seeing Ozzy live. It was so <laughs> crazy. Because he started off like a little thing with the screens. Again, some kind of, they, you know, they always have like some kind of creepy poem with a nursery rhyme about Ozzy. And it was like, holy shit. We actually were just not going to go see this show two hours ago. And here we are. Yeah, that was a really, again, another metal icon. Glad I got to see him before. He starts lip syncing with recordings and stuff. It <laughs> doesn't sync anymore. <laughs> I want to say, but yeah, that was a really killer show. I want to say I may have seen that same tour. Uh, I, I know I saw him in '96. I want to say Corn might have opened. Like Corn was just coming out. Unless I'm told. Once again, these might be one of those things I'm just imagining, and I didn't do any research on this show because I didn't pick it. But uh, yeah, it seems like I saw him on that tour, and Corn opened up. Maybe I, I don't. I could be pipe dreaming, but yeah, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you open for him. That again, that that black space in your mind. I, I have yep. no idea if you even had an opening act. I could not even tell you. The funny thing you about that show was scalping tickets. <laughs> the funny thing about that show was that my wife could never live it down because she was just. I don't know if she was just tired or she wasn't feeling the love for the concert, but she actually fell asleep. At this concert, so we never, wow. she can never live that down. Like you fell asleep at Ozzy, man. You, you can't. You're never gonna be able to live that down. Exactly. <laughs> oh, crazy train, ZZZ. <laughs> All right. So number four, I kind of talked about this a little bit. Where this was at the same venue where I saw the Motley '94 uh, show, but this was '91. And things were still hot, even though we always talk about 91 is the year it started to all be over with. But this, not for this tour, man. And it was Operation Rock and Roll, Weedsport, New York. We got Dangerous Toys, Metal Church, Motorhead, Alice Cooper, Judas Priest, one of the most... Sick ass friggin' lineups that I'd ever seen in my life. 
Great lineup. Yeah. Wow. And everybody was good. I mean, everybody was killer. I don't even like Motorhead, and I thought Motorhead was, I mean, I was oh, in a trance. You know, I was. I thought they were great. And um, big thing, okay, a couple things that stand out for me with this one is that Alice Cooper, I, I was hard. I, I've always been hardcore into Cooper. You know, probably around 86, I bought Constrictor. Remember, my uncle gave me the greatest hits, and then I just went back and I got all the old stuff. And uh, yeah. just was at that point, my Cooper freakiness was was on high, and mm-hmm. and I had never seen him, so I didn't really think about some of the things that he does, you know, like like that with maybe I wouldn't be expecting. So I remember there just being this girl on the stage taking pictures, and I it, and I mean shit, ninety one, I, I was a teenager, I wasn't like a I wasn't like a super young kid, but anyways, I remember really thinking that that was somebody from the press. So she's just on the side, and then of course he grabs her and he chucks her on some bed, and she gets electrocuted. It was all part of the show, but even it was so cool. And there was another part where he went inside of these screens, and like the scene happens on the so he was using screens, so the screen thing was starting to happen around 91 and then he he breaks out of what whatever was happening and he runs on the stage and then they all come out and so he's fighting all these characters that were in the in the, that were on the video so just cool shit man i just remember that being just such a great stage show now with judas priest oddly enough i wasn't huge into priest at this moment and i don't know why because i feel like i've always been into priest but i was not super into priest at this point and then i think after that show it just won me over i remember you know digging back into painkiller and then going back and getting the old albums and and i've been a pretty big yeah. priest fan ever since that show so and priest had a killer stage if like i said if you look a lot of people just look this up on youtube and you'll see it but it was all this metallic lattice and you know he came out on the cycle and they had the lasers and you know and, and they right. sounded killer so it just uh, just a kick-ass show nice Nice. I was a big Dangerous Toys fan too around that time. They were great. That's a, that's a, they were that's great. That's a good one. All right, man. Number three. All right, my number three. You already mentioned this one. It's uh, Poison with Special Guest Warrant and 91 in Nassau Coliseum. Nice. At the time, I wasn't a big uh, Poison fan. I was more of a Warrant fan. Mm-hmm. And they were killer. They came out and just destroyed it as an opener. And then Poison came on, and I'm just like, the sh- the, the, just the show itself, the, the, it was amazing. And I, I'm watching this, and I went to myself, oh, this is why these guys got signed. Because yep. just the stage show itself was just high energy, Amazing, you know the performance was great. The the, the tunes, you know, they're pot- it's like at that peak, like you said, yep. this is the peak for these two bands. Just a killer show. And I, I've seen them three times in total. Like every ten years, I saw Poison nice. go through their stages, and I also saw Brett Michaels solo at a golf tournament. He performed at a golf tournament. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a bunch of those. I could have picked any one of those shows. But yeah, this one stood out because this was the peak of these bands. Yeah, where it was unbelievable. The, just the showmanship. It was like, wow, this is why these guys get signed to major record labels. Yeah, it's just funny because we we probably are catching shows that are almost like right after each other. Because like I, I was always going to Albany, New York, 
and then you're you were your union dale so i mean I, we're probably uh, like days apart from some of these shows yeah yeah i was all you know buddies in long island so it's like right there yeah. not gonna, not gonna go back to like you know new orleans like fly back to new york again <laughs> now they're just going all the way through it all yeah yeah so yeah i wouldn't be surprised yeah we saw these shows within days of each other that's wild all right, number three. This is another one of those epic hair metal concerts that at the time you, you may not have realized when you were seeing such a cool lineup, but... Uh... Cinderella, Winger, and Bullet Boys, man, it was it was great. Ooh. It was so good, you know. And I, I, this is one of those ones where I had the year wrong. I thought I saw this in '88, but I actually saw it in '89. I don't know. Did I guess I, I had my, didn't have my shit straight? Uh, this was the second concert I ever went to, so this was the one after uh, Motley Crue. And I think where I was blown away is because, like I said, I wasn't. I didn't think Vince sounded all that great, but I just remember these guys all sounding killer. They were all on the top of their mm-hmm. game. Especially Cinderella, because obviously they're the headliner, and they've got the uh, you know they had it together, and Tom Kiefer just sounded so good. But uh, yeah. yeah, it's just so cool, man. I just remember like you know you just have like little flashes of, of things you remember, and I just remember like the purple lights. You know what I mean? Like the show started, yeah, and, and they and they played the bad stream stream sis. I can never say this, man. Stream stress blues, and then. Um, and then they kicked into uh, falling apart at the seams, and it was just so cool. It was so everything sounded so good. And in one part, he came down on the piano for uh, it came up from the ceiling, and he and it like kind of floated down when he did. Don't know what you got till it's gone. But one yeah, cool yeah. thing was so it was just a wee lad in '87. I had to go to the concert with my dad. This was the first concert that I was allowed to go to without a parent. I went with an older cousin. Now my cousin is six seven. Okay. And we were just little tykes, you know. I, I mean, we were probably in eighth grade or something like that at this point. So we're down on the floor, and we're getting well. Potentially, we could be getting crushed by some, you know, big dudes that go to these concerts. But I just remember, like, anytime things were getting weird, my cousin, who was just a giant, would just push these people, like the sea of people, away from us, you know. So we were all, we were all good. It just was like, like you know, Moses part in the Red Sea or something. You know what I mean? It was like he was just pushing, he was pushing that sea backwards and, and uh, keeping everybody away from us. And we were, we were, we were kept moving up and getting real close. And and uh, it was nice to have that bodyguard. So shout out to my cousin Scott, who's six seven. So good show. Yeah, because I I've been to a few shows in that same situation, like that Dream Theater show. I was standing next to a guy. He, he's probably a bouncer, probably the bouncer at the club. Big, huge, brawlic, just muscular guy. And pull me under starts, and they start mosh. And this guy's just shoving people away, like, get out of here. And I'm like, dude, I'm standing next to you. I want to enjoy the show. I don't want to get hurt. Like, I don't want to deal with this nonsense as I'm watching the band. He's like, don't worry. We're just sitting there rocking out. This big, you know, the guy was just built, throwing, you know, 100-pound metalhead, just tossing him like they were nothing. Oh, yeah, man. It's good stuff. All right, we're getting down to the wire. Number two. All right, my number one and two, I can almost flip them. It's it's, yeah. it's really not in any particular order. They're both killer shows. But um, I saw, but I'm at here. I want to check out my notes. It was David Lee Roth, the special guest, Cinderella, Ooh. and Extreme. Ooh, that's a nice uh, again, one. Beach. Oh yeah, was, uh, this is probably 
one of the few times I went to see all, like I liked all the bands and all three of them killed it. Oh my God, it was unbelievable. My only, my only gripe was extreme. They only got 45 minutes of the opening act, mm. but that 45 minutes was high energy. Again, you're like, I know why these guys got signed. I'm saying it right now. And they toned it down for a couple acoustic numbers because more than words was big and, uh, Wholehearted was, was, I think, the latest single at the time. Cinderella was epic. Oh, my God. Just, they, they came out and just killed it. I, one of the highlights of that show definitely had to have been um, uh, Nobody's Fool. Mm. Just, they had, you know, like those gospel singers doing the background and just the whole stage presence. It was unbelievable. So I went with a friend, same friend, uh, at, at the whole Kiss concert thing, and same same friend, he was supposed to take his girlfriend. She bailed out. I was like, "You want to go?" I was like, "Hell yeah!" And he was a big Cinderella fan. But uh, and then David Lee Roth came out, and at the time, I was like, "This is the only time I'll see anything close to the original Van Halen lineup." And again, the solo stuff, and he played a lot of Van Halen songs. Just killed it. Again, high energy show. Basically, what it was, you see what David Lee Roth can do when Eddie Van Halen's not holding back. <laughs> <laughs> like but um, at one point they they played Unchained, so you hear the opening riff again. You got those other passionate fans. I you know went yeah, and, and the dude in front of me turned around and just went like yeah, nice. Like, like all these dead Van Halen dogs. But this, but was it point, the same it guy from the? <laughs> Was it the same guy from when you saw him in uh, 2012? No, no, <laughs> no, no. But it, like I said, it was the same friend that tapped me on the shoulder with the two, the couple having sex during Kiss. Oh, that. He does the same exact thing, taps me on the shoulder and goes, look at this behind us. So I'm turning around thinking to see some kind of, I don't know, rated X thing. But it's David Lee Roth in a full cowboy outfit riding a huge inflatable microphone, just swinging his arm with the hat in his hand, going, <laughs> and you're just like, all right. That's what, like I said, that's what happens when Eddie's not telling you to tone it down. But yeah, all three of those bands just killed it. It was such an amazing show. Awesome. Yeah, Let me ask you this show. one. Was, so who was playing guitar for Roth? Was it Jason Becker? I no, he was sick. Wasn't was he, he sick, sick at that? Time? Yeah, because I want to say he did the album, but I didn't know if he. So I'm not. I wasn't. I I kind of checked out. I, I never liked Little Ain't Enough album, so I don't really know how that panned out. So so did John Holmes do the tour? I don't remember who it was. I know that um, oh, what's his face that played on the album? He played on the album and barely got through because of his condition. He actually mm -hmm. used lighter gauge strings to be able to, play, to, f to finish the album. Yeah. He never went on tour with David, though. Okay. I don't remember who he got after that. I, I can't remember off the top of my head. And am I totally I high thinking that... Maybe, am I totally off, or did John Holmes end up playing with Ozzy and I'm totally out of whack here. Am I am I on the right track or not? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, these guys keep switching there. Uh, yeah. No, that's the funny thing with, with, with uh, Ozzy Osbourne, David Lee Roth, and David Coverdale, they always manage to hook up with these killer guitars. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, know, man, somebody in in Russia, Singapore, or uh, some Brazil are listening to this podcast right now and they're screaming at the... Um, they're screaming at this thing, saying, it was this person. <laughs> so they, oh, they, they, they know oh, yeah. who it is. Oh, and I, you know, I just, I want to take this moment to like, so, okay. Somebody gave me a review the other day on the podcast. It's always nice to see a review. And, and the, the review was, oh, it's just, I love this. Cause it's just like 
talking to a couple buddies about you know metal and just hanging out like we did in the old days you know so it was just like i had that feeling of like how you just would talk talk metal with your with your buddies and then the other piece yeah. of it that that strikes me as weird is like okay so now two dudes can just talk about metal and and it's no joke there's people that are listening to it and other like all like 14 15 different countries this thing charts on apple podcast so i just want to thank all those people that listen to it i think it's crazy that it does that but i think it's cool yeah good music is good music man where you are that's right that's right that's all right it is. well also see the thing is a lot of these bands are big overseas too right. yeah so like places like Japan, Brazil, they, this music is still huge. Yeah, even Europe, they still love this stuff. True. Here, not so much. Not so much. No. <laughs> All right. So the last two for me are, are going to be of the same band, but just different tours. So my number two. I had to go with the Kiss reunion show, and this was in October of '96. So for me, man, this was huge. I, I never thought this was going to happen. You know, I, I believe. You know, I guess I was. I've been naive a couple of different times when it comes to Kiss, but Kiss talked a lot of shit about the other members. You know what I mean? And I just thought that they hate H. Freely, they hate Peter Chris. They're never going to play with them. But I didn't realize that. You know, money. Well, I guess I should have realized it. Is that money talks, bullshit walks, and and uh, yeah, when the money was on the yeah. table and Kiss's career was kind of going nowhere and they had no options basically in the mid '90s, this was the only card they had to play really to survive. So they did it, uh, but it worked out to my benefit. Just like you said, you were so glad you got to see Eddie Van Halen play live, even though it wasn't the '70s or the '80s. I got to see Kiss full makeup, wearing the love gun costumes and putting on a show that was pretty damn good, even though this wasn't them, you know, this was them 20 years later. But uh, yeah, mm -hmm. man, it, it was a great show. Was it? Now, the one thing I, I wanted to mention, the Psycho Circus tour, which was a couple years later, I saw that one too. And we were closer for that one. So that was kind of cool because we got to see that show a little closer. But I think there's just something about that, seeing that first time back with makeup, original guys that just kind of rings out is, is is kind of being a little bit more special but uh all the times i saw him with the original guys in the 90s was all good shows they're all good shows yeah yeah and that, those mid 90s were weird for these bands because a lot of them were trying to find their place in music because yeah. you know the stuff that made them popular in the late 80s early 90s that wasn't a thing anymore and some of these guys went heavier some of them tried the grunge thing yeah yep. they're really trying to find themselves Doing that, it was a weird time for these bands. Yeah, yeah. Well, just to piggyback off that, I'm just gonna throw out an honorable mention. There was one show that we went to go see in I want to say it was '97, and it was kind of when all these bands. It, it was a weird era. Like it was Alice Cooper, Warrant, Dokken, and Slaughter. So they had to do like these package shows, and at the time, all of them. Especially the, the the openers all had albums out that weren't all that hot. You know what I mean? Like Warrant was trying to do the yeah. grunge thing, and Dokken was trying to do the grunge thing. So then they had like these spotty performances where you got like you get to hear some of that cool '80s stuff, and then you got to hear this like shitty song where Warrant is yeah. trying to be grunge. So yeah. you know what I mean? So like that show, it's like it was cool, but it just was kind of like tarnished in some ways because it was like everybody was trying to be the 90s version of themselves so it just wasn't working but i think with kiss it was totally kiss kind of flipped the script you know what i mean so instead of kiss trying to be grunge they were back to like the mold their old selves they were as glammy as ever makeup costumes explosions you know the whole nine yards so kiss got lucky with what they did 
Yeah, because that was the thing with that David Lee Roth show I had at number two. That was the tour where it started off strong, but towards the end, like they were canceling shows and right. people weren't showing up because right. this kind of music was kind of fading out. And when all the grunge starting to replace it, yeah, you can just, you can just smell it in the air that something was changing. Well, just think. I mentioned the show I saw where Cinderella were the headliners in 89. Now they're an opener again in 91. So it just shows you what's happening, you know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, man. Can't wait to hear it. What's number one? When you said it ready, it was uh, Nassau Coliseum in uh, 1990. Was it 91? It was 91. Uh, the Queen's tour when they did Mind Crime. Yep. A mind blowing show. Just everything about it, start to finish, was just, it was just an unbelievable uh, performance. Because, yeah, like you said, they sounded great. Jeff Tate's got a phenomenal voice. The use of the screens, not let alone just having them there, that implemented with the story of Mind Crime. Done so well. I forget the woman who sang as, as uh, Sister Mary. Oh yeah, did, did, did a duet duet with Tate on uh, on uh, oh, that was the name of the song, Sweet Sister Mary. That's yep. it. It was just unbelievable. Even the even the songs before and after that they played, you know, stuff from earlier albums or, yep. or, or you know tracks from Empire, just really good. I mean, they even played Last Night in Paris. Like, wait, yes, <laughs> yes. Like, really? Like, that, that was really you like, no way, they actually playing this? I like this too. Yeah. Like, really, yeah, totally stuck on the front of the Ford Fairline soundtrack and everybody heard again. Yeah. But you know what else stood out was um, uh, Walk in the oh, Shadows. Uh, they played on that tour and that really stood out to me. Is like that When they played that yeah. live, it really stood out like, wow, this is a really great song and it made me go back yeah. and you know revisit Rage for Order. Yeah, again, songs like that where, I mean, like you said, Silent City was just starting, it was becoming big and that's something for the fans. You throw that one out, you're like, wow, okay. But uh, yeah, like you said before, Suicidal Tendencies open for them. And almost a similar thing. It was me, like three, four buddies went, my younger brother went. And when Suicidal Tendencies hit the stage, it was just a mosh pit in the front of the, the stage. We had floor seats right there. And <clears throat> the way the National Coliseum had those rows set up, there were folding chairs kind of like clamped together with plastic clamps on the side. And when this thing started, it must have been a good seven or eight rows of these things just got pushed back. And it was just chaos. I remember me and my friends being like, all right, we got to run cover for my, my kid brother here. We can't have him getting right. killed. And I have to go home watching the Doug explain my mom what the mosh pit is now. <laughs> but um, I, remember, I remember one dude, he got like, the, the security guy in there and started throwing people around, like, hey, knock this crap off. And one guy, you know, was sitting there, had his seats in front of us. He comes back, he's all bloodied up. And turns to my friend and goes, are you finished with that water bottle? And, I, and my friend's like, "Get a little bit in it. He's like, that's cool. Just give me that. I'm going to throw it at the security guard. <laughs> you're, the, you're the one causing chaos. He thinks he's doing his job. Just enjoy the show. But yeah, that was a, just a, the whole presence of that whole presentation of that album was unbelievable. And at the time, I was a big Queensryche fan. Mm -hmm. So that was just mind-blowing to see. It was so well done as well. Nice. Yeah, I'm bumming, man, yeah, that I can't remember... Suicidal, because I actually really like the... I don't know if I ever bought the album 
that they were touring for then, but I, or unless it was the, I always liked the album Lights, Camera, Revolution. I don't know if that was the, uh, that might have been the album they were they were touring behind at that point, probably, maybe. I, I don't remember. I just can't I remember thought, I can't album. remember now. Because there was one, something, the groove that makes you move or something like that. Yeah. I thought maybe that was the one. I don't remember that. Maybe you could be right. I, I have no remember. idea. Uh, it's just, it's all, it's all gone. But yeah, it was utter chaos when it hit the stage. It became this chaotic mess of motion and chairs and people flying around. Nice. Well, number one was your number 10, which is a strange twist, but uh, I got hot in the shade, mm. man. So a couple things that stand out for me. Circle. This was, uh, <laughs> yeah, we went for a full circle. This one, I just remember this was, this show I always remember was the day after my birthday. So I know that it was July 7th of 1990 because I, I knew it was the day after my birthday. Something to be excited about, like it was like a birthday time period to go see Kiss. But uh, first time I ever seen Kiss, and at this point, Kiss was my favorite band. And what same thing, same lineup. I saw Little Caesar and Slaughter. Slaughter was love. I was loving Slaughter at that time. Uh, Little Caesar, same thing. Didn't know a heck of a lot about them. Was into them a little bit. And funny thing was, is we did kind of linger around after the show, and we did get to go on the bus, and we met Little Caesar. So that was kind of cool. You know, we were we were trying to meet Kiss or Slaughter, but we did meet Little Caesar, and they were they were pretty cool to us, little you know young metal geeks that were were were, uh, running around back then. But Hot in the Shade, you know, that show was so cool. Most people regard that as Kiss's best show without makeup. You know, they they really I think their shows got kind of boring. Uh, through the 80s because all they ever really had was the Kiss logo and then when they integrated the Sphinx I mean the Sphinx was they came out of its mouth with the lasers and God of Thunder it was blowing smoke out of its nose then at the end of the show, the whole thing blows up and the Kiss logo comes down on some rockets or so. I mean, this is this is just a perception of how I remember it. You I know what I mean? I forgot all about yeah. that. You remember? Right, I totally forgot about that. Yeah. So it was just a cool stage show. And I think for any Kiss fan, what level fan you were at that point, they played a great set and they intermixed. They really started to bring back some of those 70s tunes. They opened with I Stole Your Love um, and just mm-hmm. played a couple things that they hadn't played in a long time. And that was super cool for a fan because I think a lot of those 80s shows, you know, the, the, the set list was pretty stagnant. They played the same crap every, you know, fits like a glove and war machine. And, you know, not, not that they not, they did play those on this tour, but they integrated some of those old seventies tracks that they haven't played in a while. And they had a super big hit out, man. Uh, Forever was huge. And then they had like, I just remember the green lasers going through the whole building. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. it was just great job and it was great hey man we got to see eric carr before um you know on his last tour before he passed away so that that yeah. show just always has a you know just good memories and uh yeah i put that as my favorite nice all right nice well some killer shows there we done we done good any honorable mentions or stuff that you wanted to throw out there that just just didn't make the cut um there's a few bands i saw in smaller clubs Danger, danger! I saw them on Long Island. A lot of at the time, a lot of rock clubs. That was just a party. That was a good show. Saw Junkyard in a smaller club. That was a really good show. Bang Tango. I saw uh, that was a great show. And I I I don't know if you consider it really air metal. Probably not. But um, ZZ Top, the special guest, the Black Crows, where they got booted off the the tour for busting on their sponsors. 
that was a really good show. Nice. Yeah, a couple that didn't make my list. Um, I saw Man of War in '93, um, and it was so weird because it was, it was like a massive snowstorm, and hardly anyone showed to this club. Although I, I mean, I think Man of War would have had a good turnout, you know, because they were playing in their home hometown. But yeah, it was it was a, just a nasty storm. Not that many people were there, but they still did the show, and uh, and sounded killer. So that one always stands out in my mind. And one of the craziest shows, because the story behind it is. Um, when I was like, I want to say I was 18 years old, I drove, I told my parents I was going, you know, over to a friend's house. But in reality, what I did was I drove to Tennessee <laughs> to go see Kiss and, uh, and some Gibson guitar thing in 1994. And, and it was like the scab version of Fleetwood Mac opened it. Like it didn't have Stevie Nicks and it didn't have Lindsey Buckingham. So that was just, they sounded really cool and they were good, but it was just the the whole point of like, I pulled off like a crazy scam and, 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 you know, went across the country to go see the show and kiss were like, yeah, kiss were in a weird period. Oh, okay. Let me just say, got home you face the consequences or the yeah hey i'm going to my friends for a few days yeah yeah i don't know how i pulled it off but like i think they were just glad i was home and the crazy thing is man i want to say it was just maybe like you know maybe five seven eight years ago my wife finally threw me under the bus and told my parents about this i never told them i I just i I was just gonna take it to the grave but she she kind of outed me so i had to reveal that what really went on but yeah somehow i pulled that i don't know how the hell i pulled that one off i'm a i'm a good salesperson i guess i was able to i was able to sell that one (laughs) and then i saw wasp let's go ahead that's hysterical. Mike's been at his friends for four days now. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I saw Wasp at a, a toy and horror convention in 1998. So real weird show, but uh, it, it was. Pre- I was so glad I got to see Wasp. It was the only time I ever saw Wasp, but it was at some kind of toy convention. But they they kicked ass. So I've been to some weird ones, man. Yeah, I have to say the Brett Michaels solo at the, at a golf tournament that was kind of weird. <laughs> Well, he's playing, you know, his own stuff and a lot of poison hits. I'm like, yeah, it's Skinny Bob. And everyone else is like, what the hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> My dad was with me. He's like, oh, he sounds pretty good. I go, wait a minute. When I was like 17 listening to this, you told me to turn it down. This stuff is garbage. Turn that shit off. And now it's good. <laughs> oh, that's funny, man. But, well, hey, this was a great conversation. I was so glad to hear yeah. all the different shows you went to. Kind of cool that a lot of them, like I said, we, we, we saw the same tours around the same time. So that was actually pretty cool. I had a feeling that was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome, but brother. Yeah, this was fun. All right, man. Well, thanks for having me on. You got it, buddy. Good chatting with you. Yeah, you too. Well, I guess I'll see you in the Twitterverse. Yeah, I'll see you on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Catch you later, Brian. <laughs> All right, have a good night. Yeah, you too, buddy. Bye. Well, that was great looking back at all those sweet concerts from the past. Rock on!